the criteria Latifi needs to do to get re-signed. Not get last. <laughs> oh, Spa's back. And lights out and away we go. <laughs> and Lewis Hamilton is halfway to space. <laughs> Personally yeah. go IndyCar over Williams. Yeah, space. <laughs> Grosjean Zoo. Guan Yu Zhou. Guan Yu Zhou. No, Zhou Guan Yu. I said that the first time. George was already sitting in that seat. Look, I don't agree with it, but you've asked a question. I'm trying to find a way to justify it. I'm just it. trying to absolutely tear your answer apart. G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. My name is Jacko. Joining me this afternoon on a lovely Monday afternoon, Andy. How you going, man? Oh, it's a bit rainy at my place. I don't know about yours. Not yet, so that means I'm going to get rained on next because we live at opposite ends of the city. And it's a long city. <laughs> it's been pretty fucking rainy all day here today. So I'm going to get wet. Look, I have a story to tell before we get into, I guess, the meat of our proceedings. Okay. I stayed up last night. I, one of the few brave Australians who went, you know what? 4 a.m. is the new 2 a.m., which is the new midnight. I'm going to make it. So I watched a whole bunch of different random sports. I ended up watching one of the Bourne movies last night at like 3 a.m. Race finally was on. Clicked onto the broadcast. Went, yep, that's it. I've made it and fell straight asleep. Like straight, <laughs> straight away. I'm the second, not shocked. The second they were like, this is the Jetta Corniche circuit with turn one. I, I was out. So I woke up <laughs> closer to midday, woke up and then watched the race like everyone else. <laughs> that's kind of funny. But that's, that's what it's like living in Australia. But we don't have to worry about that next race. No, I'm... Look. Australia's the best race of the year. One, it's super convenient for us. And two, it's Australia. One of the best countries ever. Exactly. Ever. Look, look, it goes Greece, Rome. They're mostly the same thing. Then Australia. Then North Vietnam, I'd say, in the tier list of best countries to ever exist. <laughs> Rome is a fucking <laughs> city. Oh, it had one of the largest empires. We're not doing history. That's for that's when I finally cut off the dead weight of all my production, all my editing, and all my friends, and finally do a solo history show. Hey, I'd listen it, to that though. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be pretty good. Um, speaking of history, race just happened. It will go down in history as a race. Give us a quick, Andy, thirty-second rundown of the Saudi Arabia GP. It's a race that happened in Saudi Arabia. There's your rundown. You still have 27 <laughs> seconds on the clock, sir. Do you want to phone a friend? I would like to phone a friend. <laughs> I'll take it from hey, Luke. <laughs> Luke doesn't know anything about motorsport. It was okay. Nothing that happened during this Grand Prix would be missed if it didn't exist this weekend. But that doesn't mean it was bad. There was still enough in it to keep it interesting. We had the two big penalties of Charles and Max making the start interesting, seeing where those boys could push it. Mac, Max didn't get a penalty. Oh, Max's car, car went broke bang, bang. Yeah, his drive shot went bang, bang. Yeah, which is essentially the big piece of metal that turns the whole engine and the car. So, like, an important piece of metal. That made strategy interesting. And then, I guess, for the rest of the race, it was just a question of how good's that Aston? Really? Like that was it. The rest of it was kind of a moot point. Do you have any big news to talk about today? Just one article that's come out on Formula1.com. It's from uh, a discussion Toto Wolf's had with one of the journalists. Okay, journalist okay. Has not credit, hasn't credited his name, but basically it, 
the crux of the article says Toto is 100% confident that Lewis Hamilton will fr- sign a fresh deal and extend his uh, his time at Mercedes after this season. So, I think it was last week I came out and said he's not going to go anywhere else. If he's still going to race, it's going to be for Mercedes. So, that yep. looks like it's happening. Mercedes never says anything without having very, very good reasoning behind it. So this makes me believe that deal's already been signed. They're just waiting until the car's a bit better to spook some other people. There's, In my mind, Lewis finishes in Formula 1 when he's done with it. I still think he's yeah. got another championship in him. He's not going anywhere. The fact that Toto's confident he's staying is a good sign for Mercedes. They need all the news, good news they can get. One thing I did pick up on the broadcast, I can't remember if it was with Laser and Damon and like the others, or as the main duo of Crafty and Brindle, um, was that the upgrades that Mercedes are bringing in this first portion of the set season are going to be quite competitive. They're not going to be little Band-Aid fixes. Like we saw at the start of last year where it's like, okay, we're now porpoising less. It's going to be, okay, we've gained a second, and now we've gained another second level upgrade. So that's positive for the Silver Arrows. I think it was Crafty, Brindle, and maybe Karoon. Talking about this, and speaking of Karun, okay, I really like him. <laughs> he comes a lot of hate out there from a lot of people. I like him. I think he's fantastic. He's not the devil, but my fear is now that he's gone. Right now that Paul Mediums is gone, Karun's now going to cop mediums. A, mediums. Mediums. Now that Mediums is out, I'm worried that Karun is now going to become. The new devil, even though he doesn't deserve it. I think he's great on the broadcast. Also, Bonnie. Is it Bonnie? Bernie. The Bernie. new one? Yes. The former Aston. I didn't like her. I rated her insight very much so. I really I couldn't understand her. her accent. It took it took a couple of updates for me to get my head wrapped around because she is very Irish. Very Irish. And I was just like, I'm tuning out. I'm tuning out. Okay. She was fascinating to have on the broadcast simply because she spoke exactly how the teams were thinking throughout the race. So they would cut to her live in broadcast and they go, okay, Bernie, what's going on? And she'd go, well, and then she'd get interrupted three times. But when they finally let her speak, she'd go, okay, so at this point in the race, you can guarantee that we've calculated who has what tires left. So she was calling from memory. Okay, well, I know both Ferrari boys have one set of softs untouched the mercedes they have this tire composition left red bull boys they've got this left that's what we've got a head wrapped around so now you're sitting there with a board essentially plotting out what their options are and having those in relation to yours is that insider knowledge you get from someone in the grid who's not at the top so her strategies and everything is about fighting people right that's all Aston's done even when they're racing point even when they're force india they would fight people on the track and so she's just sitting there telling you what she's thinking about, which is an insight you never get. Because we have drivers come into commentary. Nico Rosberg's back. Fantastic. Stirring the pot, as usual. Literally just... Antibodies, man. Antibodies 2.0, baby. Antibodies 2.0, straight from Monaco. But good broadcast all weekend. Decent race. Let's get into qualifying, shall we? Which Where do you want to start our quali? Okay, well... I don't think we need to do the full breakdown of how everybody went. If you like the sport, you'll watch it. People I wanted to bring up, though, in particular, Logan Sargent. He didn't make the 107%. He 
he didn't make 107 and he had a couple of laps deleted because as he was leaving that last corner coming onto the main pit straight, they have track limits, which sounds ironic considering the track limits are wall, but this was to do with the pit entry line and one of his wheels was touching it. Traditionally, track limits work if all four wheels of your car touch this point of the road, the white line, you are classed outside of track limits. For Jetta, if a single part of any of your wheels touches the pit entry line before the arbitrary marker, you have left track limits. So a few of his good laps were deleted there, touching that pit entry line, which is disappointing because Logan Sargent is doing very well as a Wookiee, not a Wookiee, as a rookie. He wishes he was a Wookiee. Oh, dude, seriously. In this Williams, which is better... Quite better than average, but it's limiting his potential when he had to start at the back. So he could have been on for a really good one considering where he finished. That was a bit disappointing. And it did take everybody a while to get to the bottom of it's like, hold on, track limits. Well, what the hell part of this track is he touching that we're not seeing? Yeah, one tire was touching a white line. Other big takeaways? I guess Max Verstappen having a drivetrain issue, seizing up, making him qualify 15th. Yeah, but that made the race more interesting because you got to see Max passing people rather than Max lapping people. No, it was fantastic for Max and like fastest racing fans because clearly, like you know you're really, really, really good at your sport when you are qualifying 15th in a sport that demands you qualify up near the top to be in with a shout, right? We're getting people qualify second. We go, there's no way they're winning this. He qualifies 15th and everyone goes... Well, we'll still probably get this. Like, it was just, it wasn't even a weird sensation to feel where you were like, okay, well, he's probably still going to win this. Like, you get what I'm saying? Yep. Fernando even predicted he'd uh, be in second by lap 25. And sure enough, on lap 25, he made that pass on Fernando to get in the second place. What was it? Was it the first week of the year where someone said, Oh, no, Fernando Alonso drives his race using, like, 10% of his brain power. The other 90% he uses is in driving your race for you so he can beat you. Like, that man's ability to go, oh, well, you know, the only thing I can think and care about is racing because all these guys are just dedicated to a point we will never understand. Mm. He caught it. Like, from qualifying, a day before the race, for anything that even happened, he goes, yeah, he's probably going to get me here. And he was right like that level of intuition just goes to show why Fernando never wanted to or why Fernando came back into the sport I guess definitely other big takeaways the Ferraris had a good showing 11th and 13th fantastic for both those boys there's no except for McLaren absolute dead last car you know what I mean we don't have those last place tiers locked in stone like we used to it can be anyone I mean McLaren's still going to probably be last the Alpines, better. better. Well, they got a double points finish. They got a double points finish. They also had a double top 10 grid placement. So Ocon in 7th and Pierre in 10th. So that car is better than what we were seeing in testing. I still don't think we've had a weekend where we can fully see its potential yet, but it's better than it was when they first started this year. And a lot of people were like, oh, looks like Alpines made a mistake. No, I just don't think they've been particularly lucky yet. Well, their luck's not going to turn around until Ocon gets the sack. Yep. Um, And then 
as for the top of the grid, it was what you'd expected. I mean, the Ferraris look pretty good. The Red Bulls looked really good. And the Aston Martins looked really good. And then the Mercedes looked okay. They looked a lot better on this track than they did at Bahrain two weeks ago. They have certainly gotten better with their race car already, setup-wise. Like, the drivers seem to be happy with... I mean, it was very, very negative. I don't think we heard anything positive coming out of last race, which was, Lewis thinks the car's wrong. We're going to completely change the design. Toto popped up in an article somewhere recently saying, oh, there's no shame if we end up copying Red Bull. I don't think there is either. That's not a, like an admission of defeat. It's an admission of, well, everyone copied us for six years in a row because we were the best. It's now our turn to do that. Like, I don't think there's any any negative for that team's reputation. <laughs> They're still one of the best sporting outfits on the planet. Agreed. And they did bring a, a different rear wing this week with drag reduction improved as well as bringing new floor fences, which allowed a performance and flow conditioning to improve as well. Yeah, and we'll see how those continue to be developmented, like developed and implemented over the next couple of weeks. I remember a big thing from last year, we focused particularly on Mercedes, went, we're bringing an upgrade package this weekend. We'd sit down the weekend after that and go, did it work? And we'd both go, well, it needs two or three works before they figure out what they're doing with it, and every single time it would work. So their track record of development is going to serve them well moving into this future. Definitely. And speaking of it, all of the teams brought certain upgrades this weekend too. There wasn't a team that didn't have something upgraded on the car from Bahrain. Yeah, and I'm not sure. I'm guessing we would have seen a lot of flaws. It's a lot of rear wing and front wings in yeah. this list. I mean, it's always going to be aero related in the first couple of weeks because it's. I don't want to make any part of this sport sound easy, but it's got to be easier to design, produce, make, and test a front wing than it is rear shock dampeners or something like that, right? <laughs> Definitely. McLaren brought um a new diffuser as well. Yeah. Should have probably bought some super glue for the front wing. That would have helped too because they didn't bring anything for that front wing. <laughs> it made them quicker. I'm not going to lie. Whatever McLaren brought was effective. In qualifying they, at least. Yeah, yeah. Look, well, how'd they go? Our boy, it seems like Norris is really struggling with this car this year and that's Putting aside all my personal gripes I have with him, Oscar is doing better than him in both qualifying and racing overall. Yeah. Lando's actually 20th in the championship right now. Yeah. And like Oscar, I mean, this is what he should be doing. I'm I'm surprised to see Lando actually having a bit of struggle because he's normally fish to water in that McLaren system. It's great. It's great news for Oscar Piastri. It's only making him look better. Do I think it will continue? Yeah, probably. I reckon Piastri can get Lando this year. Well, currently he already has. He's just got to stay ahead of him on the on the track. Let's get into the racing question, and we will do what we're doing all this year. We're going to start at the bottom of the constructors and work our way up the grid. So this week, for the second week in a row, we're going to start with... McLaren Mercedes. So here's what I want from you, mate. I want overall team performance. How'd they do? Then I want you to tell me about how the drivers went. So on the double here. So, okay. 
overall the team performance was I mean I mean it is what it is. They're they're not the quickest car on the grid at the moment. They're not even close to it. So with what what the car and the team could do, the the drivers have done the best they possibly can with how the team's setting the car up. Car didn't seem that well set up for Norris this weekend. Piastri was extracting more out of it than Norris ever could. It was just that they needed some uh, super glue on that front wing, like you said. Yeah, and really, I mean, I can't but agree with your take on McLaren. Team-wise, though, under Stella, they seem to be performing their race duties relatively well. Not that they've had a huge amount of racing to be done, but well, as this a is the team, first time they've had they've had both cars in the race. <laughs> yeah, for what sixty meters, and then they were both out of sync. So exactly, Gasly, which breaks my heart, took off the front end plate of Oscar's McLaren. So it was Pierre, was it? Yeah, that's what they were saying live. That they thought it was Pierre, and then someone else did the same thing to Lando. I don't know if that ever came out who clipped Lando but I know someone else took his front wing out. So end of the second lap, both cars are running out of order again. And right at the back. It is a it is a shame because, I mean, Piastri qualified ninth. We were looking at, like, maybe we'll see what this kid can do. But unfortunately, it was just Pierre got into him. Yeah. Yep. And that's all it takes at the start of the race. However, it wasn't a complete write-off for him. He managed to fight back to 15th. Yes, there were two non-finishes, but he got back with the pack. So he got back there. The car seemed to survive the race. I mean, Lando, did anything else happen to him or was he just kind of off the pace after that incident? Because he finished second last. I think he had damage, which caused him to be off the pace for the rest of the race. Yeah, another weekend where McLaren can just go, you know what? We know what we're working on. We know we've got some stuff there to do a bit of damage. We just now need to get everything lined up. So we'll see what happens there moving forward. In ninth place, Alpha Tauri. What a forgettable weekend for Alpha Tauri. You did. The only highlight I can say is we're seeing a lot of Yuki on the radio. Clearly, whoever's in direction is enjoying his, I don't know, attitude and flair on the radio because I think we got like four or five messages from him this weekend. We did get the new poor, which was oh. him going, ah, ah, ah. He passed me, ah. It was, but the, you know what I mean? Like, that's all we really got from him. We got to hear Yuki go on berserk on the radio, which he is apparently, as soon as he hits that button, he's just a monster. Like, everyone says he's this lovely little kid until he's in a car, in which case he's just brutal. And Nick DeVries, I mean, we saw him go toe-to-toe with Nico Hulkenberg. I remember that pass occurring. But yeah, 14th, car limited, not driver limited, I'd say, for those boys at the moment. I'd say so. That car, I just don't know where they've gone with this. They, It's really weird because their their sister team is the best car of last year and probably the best car this year. And they're allowed to use parts from said car, yet their car is just so off the pace and so far behind. I don't understand it. Yeah, of all the teams who are struggling, they have the least excuse to when you you consider your business partners in this sport or your racing partners are the best in the world at this at the moment. Like, surely, or even if Red Bull's feeling bored, send them a few wing designs that you're not 100% sold on and see what they do with them. Like, 
I know, right? But yeah, they're gonna look. They're gonna hang around. I think. I think Williams, Alpha Tauri, and McLaren are the three weakest cars. Definitely. Oh, I don't. I wouldn't say Williams is. Maybe I'd more bad luck for them at the moment. Yeah, Williams is bad luck, but Alpha Tauri and McLaren are definitely a step behind the the midfield. I'd say. Williams is more towards the back end of the midfield, but still pushing into said midfield. Well, they're the they're in eighth, so they've got the one championship point this year, which was last week, wasn't it? Yes, Albon got For it them. last weekend. Yeah, let's if, let's talk about Williams this weekend. Well, it ended up being a Logan Sargent affair with him being the only one that finished out of the two. And boy, did he he put on a show. I'd say he's. Logan Sargent is doing incredibly well for a rookie year in what Williams has given him. Like, pace-wise, he is close to Alex Albon. The mistakes we're seeing, track limits here, lock-ups over there, that's all what you'd expect while you're going from a 600-horsepower car to a 1,000-horsepower car. Like, those F2 cars run like an Australian supercar, for example. There's nothing quite like these F1 cars out there with what they can do. So the mistakes he's making are all well within reason and it hasn't smashed the car up yet. And if there's a track to completely destroy your car on, it's this one. And thankfully, he didn't. He didn't. I don't think anyone really did much damage to their car all weekend. Yeah, no. Dickhead and um, Schumacher weren't racing. Yeah. Completely. They're the only two that really damaged their car. (laughs) In regards to Alex Albon, he left in lap 27. Um, He was able to get back to the pits. He had a braking issue. He had a braking issue. Lance Stroll also seemed to be having a braking issue as well. I mean, no, his engine went bang, bang. Didn't his brake go as well? Because I remember they were smoking on the front grid. But Alex Albon looked like he would have probably been on for a point. He could have maybe, been in that not. like tenth, eleventh, twelfth fight. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, whatever Williams is doing, it is working. They just now need to stick with it. Like I would honestly, if I'm sitting there as James, as the head of Williams, I'd go. All I am focusing on is development and making sure the business aspect are in place because what we're bringing to the track and who we've got with us, as good as we need. Definitely. Definitely. And also, speaking of which, we got driver it's James. Over the radio this weekend too. To what do you mean, driver exchange? It, it was uh, he was like Logan, it's James, well done. Oh, right at the end of I the race. So we got, we got. Remember the old Valtteri, it's James, bought the f- f- fastest lap. Yeah, no, I thought you said driver exchange on the radio. I was like, they let them no. talk to each other because the proximity chat is the only thing that makes this sport better. Uh okay. No, we finally got our first. It's James. Yep, good. Good weekend. It could only have been better if they'd snagged a point. So we'll leave them there, right? Yeah, no. I I think Williams did a good... It was an overall positive weekend for Williams at this stage. Yep. Haas, another team that's made some pretty big and damn, damn decent changes. They had a really positive weekend too, I'd say. Yeah, so Nico finished in 12th and K-Mag in 10th. So they managed to snag themselves a point. Both drivers, right where you want them to be, near each other, both had the ability to make passes on track and through the pits. That's all looking up nicely. I don't think there was 
any drama from them this weekend. I think that they both managed to put their car exactly where it was capable of. And I think that's got to be a new record for Haas. Normally, they only do that once or twice a year. Last race out, they could have been better. This one, bang on. Bang on where they wanted to be. Yeah, and K-Mag and Yuki had a fucking sick battle towards the end of the race too to get that last championship point. And well earned too. Like, I mean, I can't say enough good things about both K-Mag and Nico. They're both phenomenal drivers who've never managed to be in a position to truly capitalise on their talent. This team, maybe this year, if not this year, next year, is definitely going to be pushing further for the points. We're seeing this sport get closer. Do you want to talk about Alfa Romeo, though? They're sitting in sixth place. They had another forgetful week, and unfortunately, Valtteri cop damage on lap one, and it just it sort of dovetailed for him. Wasn't really there. They didn't yeah, qualify he, well either. As Joe managed to get to 13th, I reckon that was due to just putting his car in the right spot. So they didn't really show Joe as much, or Valtteri even on the broadcast. Yeah, look, really struggle for VB. He, We know what he's capable of. He's capable of coming second place in this championship. He's done it before. So he's got the talent there and the, and the pace there. Yeah, just a bit of poor luck for him during this race. I don't think it's indicative of anything to come. I'm seeing no struggles or cracks. I think every year away from Mercedes, we're seeing a better and healthier Valtteri Bottas, and I like that. He's also the only driver in the press conference to wear his hat properly, was noted. Oh, really? With like Lando, Woody, and I think it was was one of the Aftaris, and they all had their caps on backwards, and Valtteri was wearing it like this front ways. Like you would normally wear a hat. And one of the journalists even said, well, thank you for wearing your hat normally. He was like, I thought this was how you meant to wear a hat. (laughs) Uh, That's not the first time too, because I remember in one of the Drive to Survive seasons, probably season two, when they sit down, they say, say your name and who you race for. He was the only driver to absolutely nail his entire team name. Like not even Toto Wolf got the name correct. Lewis forgot it. Lewis forgot it. I think he even said McLaren. But no, VB has always been very proper. <laughs> very Definitely. proper. Joe, decent weekend. Like, VB being so low makes Joe's performance look worse than it really was. Yeah, This is the fastest F1 track on average. So it's a lot of high speed, a lot of stability stuff. You're constantly going forwards, constantly going quickly. Like there's very few sections where it's like you sit your throttle on 60% and you take the next three turns. They're either fully accelerating or jamming those brakes on. That is what Alfa Romeo was weakest at last year. The fact that their rookie driver or their younger driver is not a rookie anymore can still come in 13th with a particularly blase weekend is a good result for that team as a whole. It's not really what they want to be setting themselves apart in this championship or building a better foundation. I'm going to give Joe a complete pass mark on the weekend. Acceptable. And the only reason we didn't get to see him is because neither you or I are going to be a Sky Glass or Sky Q customer ever in our lives. Ever. However... 
I do love the idea of being able to watch on board whenever you like. I do like, like that idea. Fantastic just, just, piece of technology. How about you make it worldwide? Just make F1 worldwide. Like, please. How much more do we have to suffer through this? Let's move up the grid, though. So next we have Alpine Renault. Yep. And better. Double points. Double points. Better. better. Eighth and Pierre. ninth. So not a massive amount of points, but that's six points. Six points more than Alfa Romeo, Haas, Williams, Alfa Tauri, and McLaren. Yep. Didn't see much. I mean, Pierre is in the naughty corner this weekend because he took out Oscar's front wing. Just a bit, but he still damaged it. Pierre, you're not in the naughty corner. Thank you for doing that. Do it again, please. Oh, no. Bugger off. Look, I guess for my take on Alpine this weekend, it's a brilliant team performance. Don't think I could really fault their performance as a whole. Pierre, better. He made a place in the end. He got up one more spot. That's another point. Esteban dropped a couple from where he qualified. Are you shocked? No, not at all. I'm stoked, in fact. Like, I'm glad it's happening. But, you know, if I'm Otmar, I'd I'd still be regretting that, like, 150-year contract I threw to this kid. It wasn't Otmar. I'm blaming Otmar. Otmar came in the year after. It was the guy before Otmar. Yes. Not, but not sterile. It was the guy in between. It was the one yeah. in between. Yeah, it's that weird dude they kind of bought across when they had three people, everyone in charge of their own separate thing. It was real strange. It was one of those dudes who did it. But, you know, looking at how Oscar Piastri's come into this sport and going, holy crap, that's what he's capable of in the worst car with the worst luck we've seen this year. He's making his teammate look second rate and his teammate, very good driver. I'd be sitting there looking at Esteban going, look, mate, if you're starting in... Sixth or seventh, right? Are we in your car, finishing sixth or seventh? Right. Your car is quicker over the race pace than a Ferrari and a Mercedes. Some say Esteban's still suffering from a 35-second penalty from Bahrain, though. Uh, you know what? It's got to play in your head a little bit like that. But, yeah, good team weekend. Bad-ish weekend for one of their drivers, especially because they're trying to... I mean, this is the best year they have to pip a Mercedes or a Ferrari in the constructors. Yeah. Like, and one of the Aston Martins too. Yeah, one I don't of them. Think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's simply because the other one is Fernando Alonso. I think there's only two drivers on the grid who can beat Fernando Alonso. Max and Checo. No, Max and Lewis. I think Lewis can beat Fernando if you put them all in the not same machine. Not in that machine. fucking car. Not in that fucking car. No, not in car. that car. Not in that car. That car sucks. Speaking of which, we'll talk about them later. We'll talk about we Ferrari will. now. Did you hear what? Charles on the radio? He was upset with his strategy again. And they've sacked old mate who was bad at strategy. So, I will go to defend Ferrari there a little bit. He was annoyed at his strategist. Not completely about a bad strategy call, just about not getting the flow of information that he wanted. <laughs> so it is a slight improvement. Look, Ferrari's in a really, really weird spot at the moment. I I think this is worse than them completely struggling, 
or worse than them dominating. Because they're beating most people pretty damn well. No questions asked. They're one of the better cars. They have Charles, who, and we've never quite fully seen it, but is a very, very good driver. you got Carlos, who's a fantastic second driver. I mean, everybody likes Carlos. But they just can't seem to get it all together. They're, I mean, let's have a look at their qualifying, right? Charles put it on second, but he was demoted 10 places. Yep. Carlos qualified fifth. They came home in... Sixth and sixth seventh with Carlos seventh. ahead. So, I mean, Carlos lost out a spot. Charles did what we expect from Charles, which is fighting his way up the grid in a very, very competent manner. But even during that fight up, there just seemed at places where it's like, okay, you're a Ferrari, you should just go past them. I know. They weren't. Uh, I think it was just weird, man. I See, I don't see it that way. I see it as Charles was really good at the start. Like He was blitzing past cars, but that was because he was on the soft tyres. And unfortunately, because he started on that, he had to move to those hard tyres. And everyone that seemed to move on to those hard tyres genuinely struggled for the majority of the race while they were on them. Lewis was struggling on them at the start. George... George complained. Um, who else? Carlos complained. Pierre complained. Like Everyone was sort of complaining about those hards. The only ones that really didn't were Sergio, Max, and Fernando, in a way. Yeah. And so they... I, I feel like Charles was just like, he got as far as he could from 12th. He got to 7th, but that was sort of where he was relegated to because his tires ran out so, too soon. Carlos, yeah, on the and... other hand, starting on the mediums, didn't really progress his place. He sort of lost out to Lewis and the Milky Bar kid. And so I feel like this weekend it was a it's net positive for Charles because he still managed to fight his way into the points. Carlos, however, they're gonna be taking a good look at him because Carlos shouldn't be finishing six when from where he's qualified. He really shouldn't have. He should have been pushing up and he should have been fighting Fernando. Yeah, I'd be feeling quite how- nervous as Carlos now being like, Okay, well, Charles' seat is safe for as long as Charles wants it. They've clearly thrown everything behind him. Every opportunity that's coming my way, and even if it is literally a tenth of a second or one more point here and there, I need to be doing everything I can because there's going to be no option for him to move to a better team than this, right? He's hit the top field of teams. They, you know, you've got Teo Porcher who, if he can just kind of get his shit together in F2 for four weeks in a row, is going to win. Yep. The next driver is coming. Carlos isn't doing bad enough to be replaced. I wouldn't say he's doing bad enough to be replaced at all. However, we know what this sport is like. The second you're not getting better, you're losing. Yeah. And this just seems like year three in a row for Carlos, where it's a more than acceptable year. And that's not what Ferrari is looking for. It was the story this weekend. Charles, good damage limitation. I mean, he's probably not going to win the championship this year. I doubt it. But, you know, securing another second when it's been a competitive year for the second place is good. So they're okay. I feel like that Charles can still win it this year, but it's going to take a massive effort from Ferrari to get him to that point. And I just don't see Ferrari giving him that effort. If that makes sense. I think the drive is there for Charles. It's just 
his team that's going to fail him. And I guess the good thing we've seen under Fred Vasseur is changes already being made. So, yeah, you know, they've replaced strategists. They've replaced a whole bunch of different people, team principal included. They're clearly wanting to give Charles whatever he needs to take that next step, whether it's this year or not. I doubt it's this year, but things are moving the way you want to see them move. Like, it's not a complete, they're scrambling, they don't know what's going on. I think all these teams are just a little bit still in shock of this Red Bull and are still adjusting to what they've brought back to the sport more than anything else. Yeah. And with that, they're not just shocked. No, I was going to say, they're not just shocked about Ferrari. They're they're shocked probably about our third-place team as well. With what they've brought this year. And that's, that's Aston. A good point. Aston yep. has been just, they, they were nothing last year. Like let's, if we cast our mind back 20, 12 months, we were laughing at how shit Aston was. You know what I mean? Like, it was a joke what they sort of brought together. This year, it's just, they've come out of the blocks, two podiums in quick succession. One car, one out of two races, they've had one retirement. You know what I mean? All in all. Perfect start to the year for them. We do need to talk about Mercedes before we get to Aston Martin, though. So let's let's do a quick run around Mercedes this weekend. I'll do their qualifying first. So we had George qualifying fourth and Lewis in eighth. They brought that home to a George in fourth and a Lewis in fifth. This pains me to say, but... Very good weekend all round for Mercedes. Especially considering Lewis is saying that he's not gelling with the car and he doesn't feel comfortable in it at all, no matter what he tries. And the car was never set up correctly for him. Yeah, you never see him come out, or very rarely see him come out and say he's not 100% behind whatever's been going on. I guess we can stroke that up to just like classic Mercedes of them being a very emotional team. They're either incredibly high or incredibly low. Or we can put it to what I I genuinely think is happening where it's just they're still the best racing outfit overall on the grid. The decisions they make, the drivers they have, what they're able to pull together strategy-wise and luck-wise, all of it, they've just got an extra little plus one in the column. And this is where you see it come back to benefit them, right? Lewis qualifying eighth is a very bad qualifying for what we expect from Lewis. What do you mean? George doubled his position from last year. (laughs) Qualified 16th (laughs) last year. Last year was the worst. But eighth is still bad for Lewis, right? That's not where you expect him. You're always awaiting to see him in the top four. Yeah. George, very, very good over that one lap pace. Like, incredibly talented. in, In one lap, he's one of the best. And he managed to stay there. So you, that's perfect for him, right? Lewis had a very good Lewis weekend. Qualified a little bit lower. Passed his two biggest car rivals. Uh, two of his biggest car rivals this year. Got both of the uh, Ferraris. Again, they're not challenging for the world championship at this current point. But no. they are still managing to get constructor standings to either one, get the World Constructors Championship, or two, just make sure that their team and their drivers are in the running to pick up whatever places they can towards the end. Yeah. 
And also George, George with the fucking PR move when he was told he was actually finishing in third because he was in the press conference box when uh, the first of the penalties came through. Oh, yeah. So so well, he's being interviewed and they're like, oh, you're, you're third now. And he's like, wait, what? Yeah. Oh, well, I think Aston deserved it and Fernando definitely deserved it with the race they did. Played the whole PR card so that even though that it has gone back to Fernando, he doesn't look like a complete tosser. Which is... Honestly, an all-round improvement for him because traditionally he always comes off like a wanker. So that is an improvement and I don't think points can ever total that level of improvement. Yeah, true. Uh, But yeah, for me, in regards to Mercedes, it's waiting to see what upgrades they actually bring over the next, probably won't be Australia, Baku. I reckon we'll see some decent ones. It will then go to see... Spain. Spain. predicting Spain. Which makes sense, logistically thinking. It's not that far away from where they make all these things. If those things gel, which they probably will, I then think we'll see a far closer fight between the Aston Martins and the actual Mercedes themselves. Yeah, I'd say so. But let's get on to our Aston Martins, because they had another... Really good weekend. In fact, I'm going to say it was better than last weekend because the one I liked did really well and the one I don't care for barely was there. So I'm yeah, stuck. No, he was there. How many laps was it? It was only like 13. 16. 16 laps. And and it was an abrupt stop. And then a, and a very abrupt stop too. So I remember when he came onto the grid, qualified well, came onto yep. the grid, his left front brake was heavily smoking. Then when they stopped the car and brought him off track, there didn't seem to be much fire extinguisher anywhere but on the brake. So clearly he cooked one of his brakes really bad. What actually killed his race? Have they come out and said what the damage was? Oh, I thought it was an engine issue. That's why it was such an abrupt stop. It's like stop the car, stop the car. And they they, they made a point like we absolutely need P0 before you get out of the car, like in the start shutdown procedure. Like they yeah. made a point to say that to him at least seven times over the radio. It's like, we absolutely need P0. Don't forget to do P0. Mate, we know you're going to forget P0. Put it in P0, mate. You know what I mean? Well, it's for two reasons. One, the car's worth more than that man's brain ever will be. Yep. And two, that man's brain will never be as worth as much as that car will be. So that's probably why they told him seven times. That, to me, sounds like some part of your engine is very yeah. hot and is looking like it wants to catch on fire constantly. So we need you to make sure it's in neutral <laughs> completely. Um, that brought out the safety car, though, which affected, I mean, a Pretty bunch of people snuck in for a free stop during that time. Yep. I think the only person it didn't really affect was, was it Checo? I think someone had just stopped before that. But I want to say it's Checo Charles had- that stopped before that. I want to say it's Charles. Because it was like Charles came in about lap fourteen, lap fifteen, right here. Because it didn't super affect their race. Whoever missed that free pit stop, did if that. anything, it fucking f- helped Fernando a little bit. He got the timing perfectly. There was already rumours of this is like you know re- crash gate. This is what it feels like to be on the other end. All that popped up instantly. Um, what I will say about the. Stroll safety car is that Brundle came on over the broadcast and essentially said, hey, 
that probably shouldn't have needed to be a full safety car. The car's already off the track. F1's come out since then and gone, oh, with his GPS tracker, we didn't actually have proper eyes on the car. We couldn't see it over a camera or in person. And the GPS tracker kept flickering, saying it was on the track, off the track. So he made the decision for safety, just do the full safety car. Right choice. But the second question is, how do you not have eyes on 100% of the track? Like, yeah, I get that not all of them would be broadcast cameras, but surely at this point you would have the ability to go, well, we need to see the runoff of that corner. Get me the camera, right? You'd think so, but maybe they're cutting corners. And it's not like... Actually, it's not like they're, they're lacking money in Saudi Arabia to put a camera in every part of that track. You know what I mean? They're rich bastards there. Yeah, 100%. It... it we shouldn't be at a point where a decision has to be made simply because you can't see something in a city. Like, yeah. that information needs to be made available to make better decisions. I mean, lucky thing is, no one got hurt, didn't affect the race at all. It didn't throw anyone seriously. Like, no one came out of them going, oh, we're doing a safety car here. No one came out of that worse. It was just weird that that was their response to come out and be like, oh, yeah, it's because we couldn't see it properly. It's like... Come on, guys. Be like, I'm glad you're telling the truth, but it, it's still one of those moments where you're like, yep, that's where we are now. Let's talk about Fernando. So he copped a penalty originally for being too far left in his starting box because he didn't go forwards. It was the same as what happened at Ocon last week. Literally exact the same, same thing. thing. Exact same thing. I mean, then Fernando didn't decide to have a complete brain meltdown and screw up two more times like he just went copy yep. and out drove the penalty really good really good I mean that was it the first corner pass on Checo to get it get in the race lead that was fantastic yep. to see I think every single person across the world at that point had a little bit of a holy crap he might get away with this turned out that I think Aston was just very very smart or race where they went look man we could waste time and tires and fuel fighting someone who is eventually going to get us or take an opportunity if it comes up but if not get the hell out of his way and come second or third like it seemed to me that that team made the right overall weekend decisions to bring about these points in the end but then when we if you want to look at fernando's race in a whole Obviously, he gets the penalty at the start. Dum Dum does dumb dumb things, has his car go bang bang, and causes a safety car. Which, asked, unfortunately, if they'd have got him to stop ten to fifteen seconds sooner, Alonso would have just come straight in and got a pit stop easily the lap before the safety car came out, which is when you ideally want to do it. You know what I mean? However, 100%. however, obviously they have to do the extra lap. Safety car comes out. Fernando ducks in. He gets the cheap five-second pit stop. Five-second penalty on his pit stop because the whole field slowed down at this point. So it's effectively negated as far as we know. Yes. However, about lap 30 or something, it comes out that potentially he's done a knock-on and hasn't served it correctly, which is an automatic 10-second penalty. And the ROC, the Remote Operations Centre in Geneva, clears the pit stop. Completely. They're like, no, it's fine. So the stewards think nothing of it. Race on. Until the last lap when uh, they get a report from Geneva again saying, actually, we think there's an issue here. You need to investigate further. Hence the 
post-race 10-second penalty is applied to to Fernando, right? So that while the podium ceremony is going on, Fernando is actually not part of the podium. No. However, Aston jump straight onto this and appeal it. And they appeal it with the video evidence of seven other time penalties because the, the big complaint was the rear jack was put into position. That's what it all boiled down to, wasn't it? It was literally... It was literally the, the rear jack was put into position and under the rules that the FYA and the stewards were regarding, they thought all teams had agreed that that, that wasn't allowed, essentially. However, Aston Martin in the right to, to appeal has turned up with seven video evidences of um, penalties from the past where the rear jack was in said position and brought up the fact that no agreement had been made between the team's principals and the FIA about the rear jack not being allowed to be put in position. I think you, uh, you've you seen them right. They're these stupid little internet comics of like how to care for a baby where it's like picking up the baby and it shows like you holding a baby as you normally would cradled and then the other one's just yep. picking it up by its head. Yep. I think the FIA needs to start making those or like little shitty government info ads for the teams because every year, every year we see situations like this where a team does something, they're handed out a punishment which is interpreted under the rules as correct. They provide evidence saying their interpretation is different. How the hell can this sport be worth so many billions of dollars and we don't have a definite set of rules yet? Like They came out and were like, oh, well, everyone else did it. And the F1's answer was like, yeah, but don't you remember you all said you wouldn't? And they're like, no. <laughs> it just it blows my mind because, one, it ruined his 100th podium. This was yeah. Fernando's 100th step up onto the uh, rostrum. So he didn't get that. That was taken away from him because, you know, they made the right decision, then they made the wrong decision, then they made the wrong decision, then they made the right decision. Like It blows my mind that such a special weekend for Fernando because we all thought he was a dead rubber like yeah. coming back into the sport. No one expected us to be seeing this. Everyone wanted it. To actually get it is a very different thing. It is just a letdown as a whole. Not that I think Fernando could care less anymore. Like he just no, he got, he's got the bottom. podium. You got it. It's he on the record to, books. He got to celebrate it with Max and Checo like he, he wanted to. The only problem is, is uh, Woody has the fucking trophy at the moment because they made him give it to him after the podium. There also just needs to be a look out of like, okay, so we've made a mistake. I would like – I think there should be some more ceremony with, like, the, the handoff off the trophy to be like, okay, we made mis- – get the cameras back out, get these two boys back out on the podium and do, like, a handover and a cheer or something because that would be hilarious to be like, okay, we're done. All right, everyone go home. And then, like, another 15 minutes later, be like, all right, get, get them all out again. Bring out the cameras, get more rose water, hand the trophy back. Like, it's just absolutely ridiculous. But – do I actually care that much? Nah, not really. It's not, no one's at risk apart from a little bit of, you know, just watching some old bloke stand up on a podium, a man who will never even know I existed, but who I love. <laughs> well, I, I think the whole the whole process needs look a looking out after the past two weekends. We've had two weekends in a row 
where we've had a 10-second penalty added onto a driver. Basically, po- well, not post-race for Ocon, but it's been added onto a driver for an incorrect serving of a penalty. Because the FIA is allowing the teams to time it. They're not timing it themselves. You know what I mean? So there needs to be an overhaul of how penalties are actually served. Buxton suggested, had a suggestion of you have a, a yellow box around the outside of the pit bay and all crew members have to stand on the other side of that box while the car's pulled in there. And You have an FIA official time it and once it hits five seconds on his watch, it sends a green light up to the top of the band the boom over the car that allows the teams to move in and start working on it. That was his suggestion. Pretty, I don't know how they implemented Buxton. I really don't, but that, that was what his suggestion was. And I think that going forward, we need to look at how these penalties are served and make sure that we don't have issues like this again. For Ruin Fernando's podium in a way. And if you're a knock-on fan, first of all, take a good hard look at yourself. But second of all... There's none of those listening to this show. Yeah, no, probably not anymore. He's... Two additional penalties, while they were funny, weren't necessary for his mistake he made. You know what I mean? He received three significant penalties for being pointed a direction wrong. Yes, and like, and only two, only two of those were his fault. Two of the yes. three penalties caught were the one big one was his team's fault. Yeah. Uh so. I mean, clearly that idea is the best way to bring this about because they have the unified race clock. They have all the unified telemetry data. Clearly, measuring time is very easy to do in this sport. Clearly, implementing anything in this sport is nigh on impossible. So whether that LED system would work effectively, maybe. Whether it's, okay, someone's coming in for a pit stop, you've got to wheel down some 70-year-old FIA dude with a stopwatch who just sits there and goes, okay, go. Like, there has to be a solution. Now that this has affected Aston, who's a championship contender, we'll probably see some changes. If we could just get it to affect Mercedes or Red Bull, the whole system will be changed. That's all we need. Yeah. Now that it's moved up the grid, we might get some... Look, mate, I think we should probably jump into the race winners and talk a little bit about the Red Bulls, though. That was the weirdest transition ever. You're like mid-sentence. Like, actually, we should move on. <laughs> oh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> so I was like, I can save this. <laughs> I completely forgot. Uh, Red Bull did what Red Bull should be doing. They smoked everybody. They Look, they did. Checo lost the lead of the race for a bit. Yeah, the tiniest few laps. Then he got it back, and the only other person who looked like could beat him was Max Verstappen, who, what, started 15th yeah, and finished second. Yep, and got brilliant drive by day. Max. Huh? And he got driver of the day for his drive. Yeah. I mean, as you should, that's still a fantastic amount of cars to get past. It was just... Like, pure domination, right? Yeah. Checo looked good the whole way through. Max looked phenomenal the whole way through. He was complaining towards the end about some, like, whiny noise that he was getting at high speeds. And I think I figured out what that noise was because I know they were talking about it quite a bit. I think it was him whinging on the radio was the whining noise that he could hear because we could all hear it too. Yeah, he had a a vibration in his right tyre, right front. As well. Oh, so I thought it was in his right vocal cord. 
and he just kept sooking about it the whole race. <laughs> no, that was in car 63. <laughs> I guess where the race got interesting for the two Red Bull boys was there was a little bit of push and shove right near the end about who was going to get fastest lap. Yeah. Because if Checo got the fastest lap, Checo was um, in the lead. He would have been leading the championship. If Max got the fastest lap, Max would be leading the championship because it would have been a 1 2 and then a 2 1, or reverse it if you're talking about the opposite drivers. Yeah. It was funny on the radio where they essentially came on to Checo and they're like, hey man, everything's going heaps good. You're going to win this. Do you reckon you can slow down just a little bit? And he went, well, if everything's going good, why the hell should I slow down? The same time in Max's car, they're going, hey man, everything's doing heaps good. Don't worry about going heaps quicker. Max was going, who's got the fastest lap? And they said, Max, we're not worried about that. And he said, well, I am. <laughs> yeah. The other Max, thing, the other thing to go. point out with that too, Checo specifically asked, what's Max racing? And they're like 32.6. And he's like, well, why am I doing a 33.2? Yeah. That... You can't be in an easy position there, right? Because Checo deserved the win. He put his car on pole. Yes, even though Max is broke, it's not Max's fault, right? So, you know, you've got yeah. Checo there who's done the whole weekend correctly, deserves the win. Everybody likes Checo. You've also got Max Verstappen, who's one of the best drivers we've ever seen, who's had an incredible drive from 15th to 2nd, wanting to, like, go over the line and win this or snag that extra point to make sure that he's still the championship leader after two rounds which isn't something Max has had before either. This is also his 33rd uh, round in a row that he's been leading the championship. Yeah, so I just, I don't envy anyone in Red Bull when you're looking at that situation being like, oh man, we really hoped he was stuck in third or man, we really hope Checo was ahead by 45 seconds or something crazy. In the end, I think they just kind of went, well, it doesn't really matter what we say anymore. This is what the fastest lap time is. We'll see you at the end. (laughs) Pretty much. And also... Even if Checo was getting four tenths of a second taken out of him by Max when those radio messages came over, Checo was still going to win the race by a few seconds. Like, Max wasn't going to catch him. But Brindle actually made a point to point that out. Yeah, look, it was never it was never in question. I want to say probably, what, after lap, I don't know, 35 maybe? Yeah, pretty much. It was pretty much Checo's race. You couldn't take it off him. Yeah, couldn't take it off him. I mean, the only person who was Max. Max ended up finishing five seconds behind him. Yeah. I think Max had the extra five seconds in him. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Glad to see no temperatures boiled over this early in the year, though. For now. For Yeah, well, for now. Because that the, that's the biggest risk that Red Bull has at the moment. There's not another car that comes close. It's It's whether they can feed both drivers enough points to keep them happy. Because Checo, you know, this is the second race. He's now one point behind Max. He's got the perfect flag there to go, this is my year and I'm actually going to snake this championship because he can. Versus Max, who wants to go for a three-peat, continue building that legacy and dominance, who's like, well, hold on. I'm better than Checo, hands down, which he is. Why not? You know what I mean? Like that balance of feeding both of them enough points to keep what is clearly a winning formula going on. I hope they really annoy Checo and he quits in a couple of weeks and then Danny gets the drive. 
Well, I was actually going to say, do you see a scenario where we have a Rosberg-Hamilton in 2016 here where it comes down to the final race, Checo gets it and then says, nah, fuck is, I'm done. Oh, if Checo gets the world championship, he's out for sure. He's made it clear many times that he's, while he loves this sport, it's it's too much for him at the stage of he is in his life. I think you're crazy if you leave a top team when you're in his position, right? Because if he wins, yep. he's out 100%. He'll he'll shake the, the person's hand, hold the trophy up, say, oh, thank you. I'm not coming back. Do like what Nico did exactly. in 2016. Would be the best way to do it. We'll see. I still think that this is Max's championship, hands down. While Checo's still very good, I still think we'll see Max come out on top more often than not. Like, if his car didn't break in qualifying, he probably will have qualified first, second, or third. Then he would have won by 15 seconds. Definitely. Andy, looking back on the whole weekend, give us your two big winners and your two big losers of the week. Well... First big winner is going to be Fernando for overcoming the FIA and getting his podium reinstated. Fair enough. Other big winner, K-Mag, because that was a sick drive to get that last championship point. Really enjoyed that. Losers. Well, it's going to be hard to go past um, Lance Stroll being a loser because he came last. <laughs> and also... Probably Valtteri Bottas didn't have such a good weekend. I know it wasn't his fault, but it was a bit of a letdown after last weekend because Valtteri had such a solid last weekend. For him to come pretty much a lap down last because of damage, that that's a bit of a loss for him. Yep, I'll pay both of those, man. So for me, my two losers of this weekend would be the McLaren guys. Simply yep. unlucky, getting both their wings nicked in the first lap. That, that limits a team's performance. Completely. So they're, they're my first two. Not not an individual dig at the drivers. That's just bad luck, boys. And it would have been interesting to see what you could have done otherwise. My other big winner would be Alpine of the weekend. Double points finished. They are flying very heavily under the radar at the moment compared to their competitors. Um, but, you know, that's exactly what that team should be doing. Ideally, yep. a point or two up for both of them. You know, eight and ninth ain't where they want to necessarily be, but a very successful weekend for that team, considering they had a shocker last weekend. My so that's one loser, one winner. Yep. My next winners would be I'm gonna give it to Red Bull this weekend. Second one two of the year. Fastest lap to one of your drivers. One of them came from fifteenth. That's a dominant performance for any team. Other loser for the weekend would be Logan Sargent, simply just because a couple of errors in qualifying around track limits put him in a place where he couldn't really do much with that car. And he was in a position to do okay. And really, you know, him making a mistake, you can never forward plan, you can never go, well, Albon's probably on for a DNF here. But, you know, that really dropped him and he never managed to push much farther forward than that at all. So those those are my two losers and my two winners. I'm happy with those. I'll pay those as winners and losers. Yep. Sweet as. We should probably get this bad boy wrapped up, man, and look forward to our next race, which is in Australia. 
So sucked in the rest of the world. You'll be on our time. It's going to be fantastic. We get F3 and F2 there for the first time ever. The Australian Supercars Championships also there that weekend. It's going to be huge. It's going to be a big party down in Melbourne. And I imagine we'll see Danny Rick for the first time. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely be seeing him do some media down that way. Um, And hopefully a good chunk of Oscar in front of the camera too. That being definitely. said... Follow us on all our social media at Formula Bums everywhere except for Twitter, which is at Bums Formula. Check out our website. There should be some new articles up on there. I've posted one. I think Andy's posted a few. Listen to our other show, Bums on the Bench, if you like more sports news with a focus on, I want to say, primarily Australian-based sports, but we cover a bit of basketball, a little bit of hockey. We just kind of talk about what we watched that week, and it's far less newsy than this one. <laughs> I think tomorrow's episode will be a bit newsy. I want to talk about concussions and sport. Yeah, I'm down for that. I'm more than happy to discuss those sorts of things. And apart from that, guys, thank you very much, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. See you, everyone.